0: I went through a really after we lost her I really had this like severe self-loathing I cut my hair off I hated myself I didn't want to look at myself I threw out all the clothes that I wore when I was pregnant I didn't even want to look in the mirror because I blamed me as a mum I thought I didn't protect her I should have kept it it's all my fault and it was nothing that. I, and I knew rationally it was nothing that I'd done life chose us as I call it and we were this lightning strike
1: you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the Lincello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Sarah Jane Young was eagerly awaiting the arrival of her second daughter, Charlotte Rose. And after a tumultuous childhood tainted by domestic violence, she finally felt like she was getting the life that she deserved. A fairy tale wedding, a dream of two little girls and a successful beauty blogging career. But everything changed the day SJ went for a routine 20-week scan and discovered her baby had a severe heart defect and would not survive outside of the womb. SJ says what happened next broke her into a million pieces. She opens up about the pain of being among the one in six Australian women who experienced pregnancy or infant loss, the extreme grief that followed, how she found strength in helping other women, and her rainbow baby who helped heal her heart. Now, a trigger warning for anyone who may have miscarried or lost a child. Here's SJ. SJ.
2: Sarah Jane joins us now. Thank you so much, SJ, for being here and coming all this way to beautiful Williamstown. I really appreciate it.
0: Leaving the Brighton bubble. Thank you. (laughs) Yes.
2: That's massive. (laughs) Life exists outside of the baseline.
0: Apparently, apparently.
2: (laughs) Now, I think with you, your story and everything about you is so extraordinary. And we'll get there, of course. But what I love to do with all my guests is just get a really, especially when they've got children, is get a feel of what life was like once upon a time before marriage and children when you were just Sarah Jane. What what was
0: life, what was life like? What did we do? This is <laughs> exactly. me every day. What did I do with all my time? <laughs> I have no idea. Gosh, growing up. Yes, please. I grew up in Warrandyte, so I guess you could call me a country girl. In comparison to where I live now, I have a little sister. She's three years younger than me and grew up with my mum and dad. I had a – I'm going to start by saying I had a happy childhood with a but. My dad was an interesting man and a sick man that I've learnt probably in the last 10 years, really realising maybe not what was wrong but – how wrong things were just since becoming a mum and an adult. He was an alcoholic. He was physically, mentally, emotionally abusive towards my mum and I probably caught the brunt of the shit between me and my sister. Being the older one stood up to him a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, and I think even thinking about today and, and talking about things as a mum now, when I go back and look at my childhood, you can really see how, I wouldn't say flaws, I'm, I'm painfully shy, but I'm an extroverted introvert. So when I'm comfortable, I'm the loudest person in the room, but I'm, I've still got this deep, incredible shyness. And I think that comes from growing up the way I did and sort of growing up with fear and, and tension and being nervous. But now it's yeah, and that's all come through with the blog and and this sort of online persona and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, childhood was an interesting mix, and I guess my adult life has kind of imitated that too with what's happened in the last few years. And it's this mix of great happiness, but and, and always been able to see the positive side and laugh. That's never changed. That's that's one thing that's never has been consistent. But yeah, it's this mix of this painful shyness with The trauma and the shit that was going on at home. And then I guess now with what we've experienced in the last few years as well. So that was my childhood. I was at home. I was really into ballet and I was quite sporty. So that was what I did for fun. And it was all about a lot of it was keeping up appearances. I learned that from a really young age and not so much now because I, the walls, you know, the walls are down with the people who I trust, but, Yeah, that was my childhood. So it was, I grew up really fast and I think it's served me well now with things that have happened, but it's also sort of like I see now with Mia and I just like just be, just life can be really shit but it can also be so awesome. So, yeah, it's I flip. I'm a flipper.
2: Do you think what you experienced with your childhood and what happened with your father gave you an insight into what kind of mum you wanted to be and family life you wanted to provide?
0: Yeah. Well, yes, it, it really was affected. And I'm going to say it started from when I started dating. It affected how I looked at men and I didn't trust men. I, you know, I think as a young girl, you grow up and you look at your dad and there is this, that daddy's little girl. And I never had that and I desperately wanted it. And that turned into an obsession with wanting girls. And I think because I grew up as, you know, one of two girls, I really wanted to sort of rewrite history in that sense and find this man that was going to be the perfect dad that I never had for my kids. And I, I did marry that person. He, he's an incredible father and Mia is daddy's girl through and through and I just love it because I feel like it's really, it's healed a few wounds for me. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful relationship the father daughter
2: and we will get to that and yeah that you do now have because I think it is interesting to bring this in now that yeah you do have a boy you have a one-year-old yep. beautiful boy Max will that go some way I guess to also as you're saying you had issues with him yep. wanting to find this perfect man and now you're raising a man how is
0: that going to change how you bring him up and the future that you want to give him I remember Because he was IVF, and I was so desperate to find out the gender, and they won't tell you here. It's we, and I found out it was. I I knew it was going to be a boy. I just (laughs) knew, and I did freak out. And there, I just thought for so many different reasons. How am I going to do a boy? I grew up. I went to a girls' school. All my friends had sisters. I had a sister. I'm such a girls' girl. How am I going to do this? And then obviously there was that dark sort of shadow of my dad, and and my perception of men, and. Is this little boy going to turn out like him? That was a a big fear. That evaporated the minute he was born, Max. And because he's just Max, he's, that's it. So I'm very conscious of, you know, I just feel like we're living in such a PC, the world has gone mad, and I'm pretty loose and easygoing. So sometimes I gotta watch what I say, but you know, it's. He's just going to evolve into the little guy that he is and I, you know, he's got a wonderful dad. I'm not, like I, those fears have all gone. So, and really I think, I always thought, you know, this, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get back to it, it's losing Charlotte and that dream of the two girls and this that obsession with trying to recreate my childhood. And then when I found out I was having a boy, I was like, no, 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 this isn't what's supposed to happen. And... But we've made it work and he is just, I actually think ironically he's healed me more than Mia or having that daughter with my dad, with my daddy issues, let's call them.
2: It's almost like I don't know if you believe in this kind of stuff but the universe or God or whatever you believe in gives you exactly what you need even if you don't think that's what you need and even if you don't think you're strong enough or, as you said, it doesn't follow the script of what you thought you wanted. Yeah. It is actually everything you needed.
0: Totally, hundred yeah. percent. And he's just, you know, he's only one, but and he's his own little person. But there's the big difference, there's already differences I'm saying, between the girls and the boys. And yeah, the, little, the boys just, they just love you so. Oh, much. Oh, they do. They do, don't they? I mean, they just... my daughter just never had time. She would tell me she was too busy to cuddle <laughs> me. Like it's, t- it's changed now because she's got a flight for her place. But you know, he just, yeah. There's something very special about the mother. A son and yeah, a little boy.
2: sons. I just find you know, and obviously, I've got a son too that yes. they just I don't know, they'll always love them, protect them. Yeah, mom. of course, daughters yes. do too. and I've got such a special bond with my mum, but it's yeah. that that yeah, that son Some that way wants he to protect. looks protect me, and yeah, it's just like, oh
0: my gosh, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And how, if we do mind just taking one step back in, how old were you with when you were experiencing what you're going through with your dad? Was this
0: when you were oh. in primary school or? From, I could have memories, yeah, Yeah, just, yeah, you you grow up and it was never sort of spoken about, but I guess it's you, I just, that's how I was conditioned and it's what I grew up in and I grew up in a, you know, hostile environment and I had a very loving mother and we had a beautiful relationship and, you know, my sister, the three of us were so close because of that. But, you know, there's sort of this damage being done along the way that you're not even aware of because you don't even know what is going on to articulate it, you know, and it's really only definitely when I was dating and boyfriends and my choice in men and what I would put up with and it was just this my walls just went up and I was quite cold going through the motions. I just thought I'm not going to – I didn't really believe I would ever find the one because I just thought men were assholes basically and I would take what I needed and go. And that's what I did for a long time. And then I met someone and the walls came down and I learned to trust and, you know. showed mental. you what a good
2: man is as well. Well, he still yeah. shits me, but, you know, yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. Most of the time,
0: <laughs> he's a good man. You can't see my facial expression.
2: <laughs> and you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable. Yes. Is your dad still in your life now? Do you speak he to him?
0: He passed away probably 6 months before we lost Charlotte. Oh wow. So what I did Yeah, 10. it was my God. <laughs> fun. <laughs> so we, I hadn't spoken to him. I hadn't even seen him probably since my grandmother's funeral and I was in year 10. Oh wow. So a long time.
2: Was it when he did pass? How did I don't know, how did that feel? Was there I I hope I don't sound insensitive saying this. Mm. I don't know, a sense of relief or closing of a chapter or or did it bring up feelings of sadness? It brought or? up
0: really weird things yeah. that I Again, you just you shovel this shit down so deep and when he we learned that he'd passed away, it actually brought up grief but not for him, grief for me and that I would never, ever have this daddy-daughter thing and, but I was never going to. It wasn't a rational.
2: But it was the fine. That was the that end was it. of it. It yeah. was never going
0: to happen mm-hmm. now. He's not going to come back. All these years later and say, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, there was nothing. That never happened. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for damaging you. And I guess maybe that was all part of it, but it, there was no chance of that happening, and it really threw me. And up until we lost Charlotte, it was probably the hardest thing, not even living what I lived for 16 years while he was at home. It was that. And I did feel relief in a sense of feeling safe. But yeah, I went to. We went to the funeral. We persisted to see his to see him beforehand. I really needed to see him, and it wasn't a power thing. There was nothing malicious about it. It was just making peace, as lame as that sounds. But I needed to see him in that state where he couldn't hurt me anymore, because all the visual memories in my head and all those memories were bad and they were scary, and there was violence and and just awful things.
2: And when you did go and see him, was that when he was alive or he'd passed? No, he'd passed.
0: We didn't even know he was sick. Yeah, right. That was kept from us, from people. So, and I I often reflect on what would I have done if I'd known? I probably would have liked to have known because I probably would have gone and seen him and not to have my, not to get my pound of flesh, just to be like, you know, you you did this, Mm -hmm. you hurt me. And he was a up until the end, you know, he would have manipulated situations and it, it probably would have backfired. So it was probably a good thing in hindsight. It that I didn't Correct. It. But, yeah.
2: Was it the kind of situation that when you said, I think you, when you were in year 10 was the last time? I yeah. Was it? was it that your fam- your mum was forced to take you two girls and, and go?
0: Yeah, that particular instance, that, that night, things were... You know, we were used to. This is what I mean. It's mm. the things that we're conditioned to except wow. as normal. Things that night got out of hand more than usual, and my sister and I called the police, and they came and they they took out a restraining order, and that was sort of the beginning of the rest. And he was obviously forced to leave. So, yeah, that was that's what happened that night. And thank God because there was something different that night, and I don't know what he would have done. Yeah, if we hadn't done that me yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. I know. I, I, I just I forget all this yeah. and, until I talk about it, and it's like shit. I think as you know?
2: well because you've gone through so much very recently, yeah. it shoves down all the past stuff that it can be yep. still for a lot of people still so present. Yeah. But the the recent stuff is so fresh. Yep. And requires so much attention, Correct. and then Correct. it's
0: like, oh, I forgot about that. And, yeah. how, and how? But hard that's motherhood, that was. isn't it? Every mm-hmm. like I feel like you give birth, and it's like. Oh, I was a person before this, that's right, you know, and I had all these feelings and things happened and I had a life and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, yeah, I you just, that gets stuck to the side Yeah. in terms of dealing with things that are important, yeah, and then obviously the last three years has been totally dictated by the loss that we experienced.
2: Do you think your childhood gave you a strength that you perhaps would, wouldn't have had otherwise to have then
0: gone through what you did have gone through? I think so, and I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I grew up being obsessed with control and that's still something that I struggle with today and that was because I was so out of control at home and, you know, I've learned that you, you absolutely, it's everything's basically an illusion of control. So I, you know, these days it's, for me, it's like exercise because it's the one thing I can control. But, yeah, at, at home it was... Yeah, I think growing up, I was very mature. I picked good friends. I surrounded myself with good people. You know, just little things like I never used to drink because it was that control. I could drive home if we were on a big night out, all those sorts of things. So, you know, they weren't actually things that were negative, but I definitely think I could have lived a little more. You know, I just had a bit more fun and loosened up, but it is what it is, you know. How old were you when you met your husband? I was a baby. I was... It was 10 years ago. I was 23. Wow. Yes, I was young. But I was an old young. Yes. You know, like I was ready to settle down. And you always had this vision that you wanted children, you wanted to get married. yeah, I was always open to kids. And, you know, I had a boyfriend before him, obviously, and I couldn't he was lovely. He was so lovely. (laughs) He would write me love letters and everything, but it's not not my thing. (laughs) But, yeah, he always wanted – he would always talk about it and it would freak me out and I was like, oh, no. I wanted kids, but then it – takes meeting that right person to be like, yep, yeah, I can actually see it now. And I wanted kids with him. And, yeah, that happened. So we got, we met at 23. I was married at 24 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we just celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary. Wow. How did you meet? <laughs> i am not a, I was not a clubber and he part owned a nightclub. Wow. And I met him there like the one of two times that I ever went to a nightclub. Can you disclose yeah. which nightclub it was or is that? <laughs> it was Eve. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Past. It feels like a past life. It, it
0: is. Yeah, correct. So.
2: And then when amongst in all of this, did you start your blog?
0: So the blog, I So after school, I left, I studied Bachelor of Advertising at RMIT and of course, 2008, 2009, when I was graduating, the global financial crisis hit and there were no jobs. So I really was interested in copywriting. I've always, I love writing. I love words. I love all of that and sort of the strategy side of things, not the creative side, but there were just, there weren't a lot of jobs and I met him at the same time and we actually opened a restaurant together. Side note, don't ever work with your partner, <laughs> ever. It's <laughs> like a bloodbath. So we did that. That was an interesting little experiment. A little bit Never of Never again. Yeah, a little bit of fun. And I was just, you know, that was, it was a good filler because I, there, were, there were no jobs. And then I actually went to England. My nan passed away and the family went back to take her ashes to bury with my grandfather. And while we were there, I had a few contacts that we dug up and I managed to get some work experience at Grazia Magazine in London and I got to work in the beauty department, which was my dream. That was my dream job. And she knows this because we've become friends since, but I used to, everyone would be like, what's your dream job? And I'm like, Lee Campbell, basically, Mm -hmm. from Cosmo back in the day. Beauty writer, that was my beauty editor, like that's what I want to do. And then got to work in the beauty department and that really kick-started my passion, like get up, do something. So we got home, I started a blog. Back then, blogs weren't even like a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ironically, I've, I've put my, a lot of my life on social media, but I'm actually an incredibly private person. So it's this weird juggle and... But I did it anyway and I really it was just really how I started it was to create a portfolio and showcase what I could do.
2: I remember at uni
0: they always said if you can
2: start a blog, start something or yeah. Instagram didn't exist, start yeah. something
0: that you can show. Yeah. Jobs Correct. that you want to go to. And it wasn't right even I, you know, I wasn't trying to go for a journal job, I wasn't trying to be that person, but it was okay, I'm I can I'm pretty good with the camera. Mm-hmm. I can I'm gonna just put together my skills, show that I can write, get that voice. And then the jobs started to come, and I got headhunted to another company. And anyway, so I was working instead sort of marketing, PR, e-commerce, that kind of that kind of thing in fashion, and then hair and beauty. And I just kept chipping away at the blog, and I just wasn't happy in my current role at that time. And I started noticing Roxy Jasenko, so she just started Ministry of Talent back. This is six or seven years ago. And she just started Ministry of Talent and I was like, I have to get on her radar. So I just kept going and going and then all of a sudden I did and I signed with MOT, yeah, probably six six or seven yeah. years ago now.
2: That's such manifestation and it's fine. Yeah. It's yeah, you feel like you're doing what you're doing and love it.
0: Correct. And this is what I want so I'm just going to keep I'm doing, doing what I Correct, i got to work love backwards and, and this is what I need to do. It. Yeah. And then I quit my job which was really scary. But my husband supported me on that, and it was it was really hard. I think everyone thinks working from home or it's really yeah.
2: hard. it's That's part of the reason we're not at my home right. Great. now. It's, it's just yeah. Food, I feel like
0: you need to separate and you yeah. to separate those environments. It's really important for your just mental well being. But yeah, it was it was awesome. <laughs> no like, yeah, <laughs> I look back and I hate the term influencer. I Hate it. It's such a, I, It's not because I'm so not about tooting my own horn. And I think coming from that marketing and, and branding background, it's not that anything that I've ever put up is fake, but it's it's a curated version. It's the best isn't it? Correct. And it's not, and I, I do, I love a beautiful photo. I love styling things. I love the creative side of things, but it's, um, yeah, and I've, I've sort of been criticized for that in the past, but you can't win. This is what no. another thing I've learned with social media. You cannot win and you cannot please everyone. And even though I'm a rational, semi-functional adult, you know, I still have to remind myself you can't please everyone Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't get you and that's okay and there's going to be people that say shitty stuff and that still happens less and less but it's there and you just have to brush it off. But, yeah, yeah, that's all part of that. So that was the blog basically how and it started. <laughs> started
2: as a beauty blog but and yeah, it no. still is that in many sense but it's really grown and adapted and changed with you in your life did you think that it would do that or did you see? no to I it's
0: never if I could like from again from a, if I was putting my marketing hat on and giving myself advice six or seven years ago I would have said don't make it about you <laughs> you know make it about talk about beauty that's fine but I stupidly made it about myself to a point where I called it "She is Sarah Jane," <laughs> An idiot. But you know, but it's great too. That's fun. That's fun. But then I got pregnant with Mia, and I guess that mama bear instinct came out, and I started opening up about things which I'd never done before. And guess what? That's what got people's attention. That's what. That's what people would click on, and that's what they wanted. So it then became this monster that you needed to feed because it was like, I have to just give more and more and more. And, you know, I I spoke about my dad for the first time, which I'd never, ever done, and that sort of rocked the boat at home a little bit because it was sort of like going, not going out against the family, but I didn't.
2: Opening old wounds probably. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and, you know, there were other people involved and it did ruffle a few feathers at home and that, that was all dealt with. But, yeah, I think it was that hormonal pregnant, you know, just, and yeah, preparing to become a mum, this other side of me came out and it was, I wanted to talk about these things, not for attention. That's just not who I am. It was to genuinely help other people because I lived and grew up in domestic violence my whole life. And I had a boyfriend who was like that, you know? So I've, yeah, it was, it was, that's where it started. And then it just kind of, that was it then. lid popped off and I just, have been vomiting, word vomit for the last however many years.
2: As you just said, people, it's like this beast that just needs to be fed and wants more and more and more and and we are getting to what what has happened to you recently and being so open and vulnerable about motherhood and sharing all, you know, the crappy sides yep. and the great sides, then when tough things have happened, how has that pressure been for you when probably you just want to shut the whole thing down and pull a blanket over your head? But do people demand more information that you're not willing to give sometimes? Yes and no. This is where
0: I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with social media and what I've created and it's this I actually feel, you know, when I look back, I've I, you know, I've got one of the business profiles on my Instagram and I look at you can see your insights and, you know, I think they give you these wrap ups of the most liked photos and engagement and things like that. And my most liked photo ever was announcing that Charlotte had died. That is so. That's so after, perverse, you know. It? And it's it's really hard to process because it's sort of like are people showing me respect or are they liking that something shit has happened? The I don't term know. It's like. Yeah, sounds, it's just correct.
2: Sounds like a Black Mirror episode it's or something. Correct.
0: It's, yeah. So it's just this really, I find it. It's I just have to kind of put it to the side because I really, I struggle with it and I still do.
2: And is beauty yep. still an interest of yours? Totally, yeah.
0: 100%. And I do want to have all these great ideas, you know, but I would like to start because it just flows and I love writing about mm-hmm. it. You're such a good writer too. If anyone is listening oh, and hasn't you. read your blog, it's, it's beautiful. I do. I find writing for me is so cathartic and therapeutic. I loved writing about when we were going through IVF. I found that. Amazing, and again, was never to gain attention, sympathy. No, it helps. It was so many just people genuinely. No, but, you so know, especially you,
2: something with IVF. So correct. many people, women and men that are experienced yep. going through it don't talk about it.
0: You have no idea, and until we lived it, I had no idea how crazy it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can only imagine
2: when you fell pregnant with Mia.
0: Yep. Was that through IVF? No. So okay. Mia and Charlotte were both assisted fertility. It's okay. kind of what they call it. What
2: does that exactly mean? Oh,
0: look, reproductively challenged. No, I've got a lazy ovary. I've got polycystic ovaries. I've got a number of things. But I knew f- I knew from years before we were going to have kids that that was an issue, so I knew that I'd struggle. So we went to see a fertility specialist and it was also under control. So once I was on the right drugs, yeah. so there are actually IVF drugs we use with Max as well. Yeah, we-, we fell pregnant relatively easily once we nailed the drugs. So yeah, they were both assisted.
2: I saw a part of your blog where you said something like in the last, I can't even remember how many months, like six months, I've had 300 and something injections. Yep. I've gained six kilos and yeah, what is that struggle? What is that IVF
0: struggle like? What's your policy on swearing? I've already <laughs> it's dropped totally you fine. On. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's just a mind fuck yeah. and it is, you think it's going to be easy. I, I don't know what, where I got that from, but I just went into it thinking this is this is it. We're going to get pregnant, like this is going to be easy And then they pump you full of drugs. And I was already a broken woman. We lost Charlotte in January. We tried the drugs that I'd fallen pregnant pretty, you know, pretty easily for about six months. Nothing worked. And we were then told, look, we're just gonna have to do IVF. And we really wanted to do the sort of the genetic testing side because Charlotte was very sick. And we just wanted to sort of safeguard that as much as we possibly could. So IVF was probably a good thing for us changed doctors met an amazing doctor who is just was she was just so beautiful throughout the whole process and yeah you're just pumped full of drugs it's I mean that in itself just makes you crazy I put on six kilos I was just I don't know who I wasn't or what I was doing you know our first round failed we lost all three embryos and I was just like how heartbreaking was that? I was just, and this is the thing with IVF, and I think people have to remember when you when you start IVF, when you walk through those doors, you're broke, you're broken, you're done, mm. you're over it. Mm. Some t- people you've be- have been trying for Good. years, haven't they? You yeah, know, you're so, de- you're so desperate, and that mindset, and then having to be going through all these scans and just everything, and I think you, because it's a pro, it's such an unnatural process as opposed to just you know getting in the sack and. <laughs> Here we go. It was you're looking at it in a really unnatural way, and I, f- you do get some weird that you do have more control because of the, you're breaking it down in the process. Oh, you know, they're just letting it, see yeah, happen. Right. So true. You have no yeah. idea what's going on, but it's that day three, day five. You're looking at all the different stages, and oh, we're going to genetic. Te- we're going to test this one. We're going to freeze this one. We're going to, yeah, you, you've it's again, it's that illusion of control, and you feel like you have more control, but really, it's just in the lap of the gods, and. Each round you have to reset and hope and, yeah, it's a mindfuck and it's the ups and the downs and, and trying to be positive but then you get knocked down and it's the constant, it's waiting, constantly waiting, so many hurdles. And for me it was just more about I couldn't think about down the track and if it would ever happen it was just right now I need to get to the next scan. I need to do the, this injection. I need to go to the pickup. We need to see how many fertilize. It was just breaking it down, and I think even that process and that ability to sort of compartmentalize everything else—it was that's helped me even in life a little bit more mm-hmm. since, mm-hmm. because it's just focusing on little little things, and because I find I'm one of those people if I look. And it worked for me in the past. If I look too far down the track. I'm exactly yeah, the same. And work yep. backwards, mm-hmm. it worked, but in, in other ways it doesn't. So you need to just focus on the little the little wins yep. and celebrate those. So, yeah, just that was. And realise
2: how far you've come as well. Correct. Yeah. You wrote that when you had your first child, Mia, Mia yep. Grace, it was a textbook pregnancy and
0: birth, wasn't it? Um, see, I'm one of those people that people hate.
2: So no like, morning, during, no morning sickness.
0: Nothing yeah. during pregnancy. Just I, she came on a due date, which is that? Like her personality to achieve. <laughs> like yeah, she's just. I'm like yeah, of course you do. she did. Yeah, just I trained like the day before I gave birth. Due date, bang! Like just loved giving birth pulled well, her yeah, out one of those you people know like
2: yeah i pulled the baby yeah, out. yeah i
0: was that person it was so good it was so easy <laughs> it was awesome was up showering five minutes later what yeah you actually yeah well i didn't have any tears in yeah oh, or nothing yeah just up i got yeah I no it was in a wheelchair for a little while <laughs> no it was look it was just i'm so lucky because uh you know again i didn't know what was coming but to look back now and all you know i've given birth three times now very all very different and Hers, I'm so grateful that I got to experience that because it is a miracle and it's wonderful and it can be so amazing. Yeah, I just she was yeah, she was a, it was a dream. were
2: well, you just like, oh, everything, you know, you've got your, your beautiful husband that you love yep. and,
0: and you've had this. No, beautiful- he was annoying me at the birth. <laughs> I had my amazing midwife. Thank you. erin okay, You can go stand outside. <laughs> Correct. Yeah,
2: so you you know, you had this, you know, textbook pregnancy, beautiful yep. birth, yep. beautiful healthy daughter. You've got the husband. Yep. Everything looks like this textbook life, yep. even yep. as well. Yep. Did you just have this sense of ah, oh, after all it'd been a troubled child, you know, a yes. tough childhood and and you know, with boyfriends you were saying you'd had troubles with, oh finally, I've I've got the life that I deserve. I've gone through the crap, I've I've waded through the mud. Everything's coming up, SJ.
0: Yeah, and I did. And I thought sometimes you'd almost have to pinch yourself. it's like, no, I deserve this. I've, I've yep. had my shit and I've come out in the other end this and we my here. other end now yeah yep. we're here and yeah that all the, yeah then everything else happened but absolutely and I because that's my personality I'm I'm positive but it's a glass half full in that what could go wrong mm. what are the risks I'm not a risk taker I'm very cautious this is what I I was talking about letting I should have let loose all those years ago but I just, it's this need for control, obsession mm. with control. And I did at times think things are too good. What's going to go wrong? So it really and did. It, and like then I it bloody looked. did. And then it did. Yeah. And this is what's so effed up because it confirm—it almost confirms that default position that I lived in and still live in. which so There's
1: always something lurking.
0: Yeah, just yeah. wait. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Mm-hmm. Which is not, it shouldn't be like that.
1: And then
2: you fell pregnant with your second yes. child, with yep. Charlotte Rose. Yep. What was, you know, and you did this most beautiful birth announcement. Yep. And when I was reading the yep. post around that time, I could feel the elation and the excitement in yep. your voice. And and it probably, again, was this, I've come out the other end. Look, I'm now having my dream life. I'm having my two beautiful my girls that I always yep. dreamed about because I only wanted girls. Yep. And you were posting so much about it and all your plans and everything. What was, you know, before everything then happened, what was that period like? Was it as beautiful as it, and happy as it looked?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, yeah, it was this, I'm a mum of two girls and it was, it's, my plan's coming, you know, it's coming, it's falling into place. Like, again, there's still always that little, mm, things shit. are going to turn to shit. But it was quiet at that point and I was happy and, hopeful you know and you know all these you know a pregnancy is a risk and things can go wrong and but i just didn't want to even though i am a very nervous like i said i'm i'm nervous and but i was also rational in that well the chances are it won't it's not going to happen to and me I had a really great pregnancy Correct. before. why wouldn't that happen mm-hmm. again and it's it's the, the, these things happen to other people mm-hmm. they don't happen to me and then they did
2: so it wasn't yeah. really happy. You know, I yeah. think I'm sure because of what then did happen, it overshadows and I'm Correct. sure you probably don't even I don't even, until you
0: have said this, I've never even thought about it. What that period it. was yep. probably
2: like. And yeah. I think I wrote that you, I mean, I think you wrote that, you know, you could feel her kicking Yeah. it just, it yep. would have been a beautiful, yep. happy
1: time
0: and yep. telling me that there's, a, there's yep. another baby coming. Yep. And, she, and yeah, that's, I mean, I felt her from 15 weeks, Charlotte. So quite early and then, yeah, that all just,
2: changed and then and when it did change you were going for a routine 20-week scan yep. and that's just so normal we all yep. go for those
0: yep can what can you recall from that day look I'm not like a spiritual into all that sort of stuff but I woke that morning feeling really sick and I was on edge and I it's almost like I, I just so my husband went to work my mum and my sister were with me. We had Mia with us. It was like a full, you know, procession. We were all there. Probably a good thing you had everyone. Well, yeah. you know, you look back and I think oh, because wow. with me, I went to everything basically by myself because so I was like, oh, it's all good. It's oh. fine. So, yeah, in hindsight, it was, it was a good thing.
2: And for anyone that doesn't know, you go to so many appointments. It's yeah. not really that And I didn't need
0: my husband there. He just annoys me anyway. So <laughs> it's like whatever. You know, I just go by myself. It's yeah. cool. So, yeah, went to that and... She was scanning the sonographer and I just – I could just see. She scanned over. We got to Charlotte's heart and she stopped and kind of went really quiet because, you know, they're constantly sort of talking and that Yeah, like, they try and make you feel really at ease. Yeah, mm. and that stopped. And I'm like, shit, okay, whatever, stay cool. And I'm like, is everything – I actually said, is everything okay? She said, yeah, 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 I'm just having trouble seeing – what I need to see. And I, I just didn't believe her. And I just knew, I knew from that moment something was off. And then she goes, Oh, we'll come back to it. And I, f- I look back now and I think that was her panicking. I mean, this is really, I know the statistics and all these things now. This isn't something that they wouldn't do. You know, like scans go wrong all the time. And the, for various reasons, these things happen. So yeah, you know, in terms of how she handled it, it, probably wasn't great. And then she said, I need to leave the room to get the doctor. And I lost my shit So, because I just I knew something was wrong. And the doctor came in and, yeah, they basically kind of went through what we could see and what we couldn't see and everything else was fine. So we did an amnio. So, I mean, I can go into the medical side of things, but she had what we learned later on was a thing called tricuspid atresia and it's something that affects it was the left side of her heart basically never formed and there was no way all the ventricles there's four ventricles right Mm -hmm. there was no way of oxygen getting back to her lungs it it's like she had half a heart basically and after all the genetic testing afterwards because we did an amnio as well she did come back with a chromosomal abnormality and it was then some weird rare variant of that they'd never even seen in victoria and with that comes heart defects, amongst other things. But she obviously, she had a severe heart defect. So then we got told all this, the first part of it. I really don't really remember much after that. The shock, you, you just, but she basically told me I would have to give birth. And she wouldn't survive outside the womb. And that it was me that was keeping her alive in you know, my placenta, and we had to come back the next day to see the pediatric cardiologist, met another doctor and sonographer. So we all went through it all over again, and he basically explained in detail what it was. And then we had to make the plan, yeah, to give birth to her. So, which was really, again... I had to carry her for a week after Mm -hmm. that, knowing what was going to happen. I was going to ask you, what was that week like before flying that? It's almost like it's cruel. Yeah, it was. And again, I look back and you just, I was in shock and, you know, medicated because of what was going on. I really, I just was, I I just don't even know. I'm just shaking my head. I don't even, I don't even know what was going on. I don't even know how you prepare for that. It actually makes me feel sick knowing like I don't remember it. And I think that was my body's way of protecting me because no one should have to deal with that sort of trauma. And, you know, then I went to the hospital and the labor was the most horrific thing for every reason. My body was just fighting it. And, you know, this is, I went through a really, after we lost her, I really had this like severe self-loathing. I cut my hair off. I hated myself. I didn't want to look at myself. i throughout all the clothes that I wore when I was pregnant. I didn't even want to look in the mirror because I blamed me as a mum. I thought I didn't protect her. I should have kept, it's my, it's all my fault. And it was nothing that, I, and I knew rationally it was nothing that I'd done. Life chose us as I call it. And we were this lightning strike, but it was this, I just hated myself. And we went into the hospital and even though this is where I come back to this is, my body was actually doing all the right things. It was fighting this labor. It did not want to go into labor. And it took two days, a lot of drugs, and a lot of pain. And Erin, my beautiful midwife that I talked about, she didn't leave my side. And she was the one that told me, and it's now become sort of how I live my life. And it's, everyone has a story, and this is mine. And it's taught me to be far more patient with people because we just don't know what they're fighting and we laughed and we spoke we had so many hours to pass and to fill and she was moving the whole time I mean this is where there's a part of me I losing it this a trauma any trauma but my trauma was losing a child it does not make you stronger it breaks you and you just have to find this I don't know this strength, and it was to be on that birthing suite and hearing babies being born and crying, and I knew that I wasn't going to get that. And then it happened, and she was born, and it was silent, and she was. I felt her moving a lot of the time, and then it, it stopped, and I, I know, I know what had happened. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. Again, I just I blocked a lot of that out because that was probably the most horrific forty-eight hours of my life. But then she was out and she was on me and I felt calm. I actually felt calm in that moment because she was there and she was warm and she was on me and that was actually the moment I saw my husband break. I've never, ever seen him like that. And, it, again, I've blocked a lot of that out too. But, yeah, we had... I had that and we had my beautiful friend there who f- took photos of her and I had another beautiful friend who was a midwife who lost her baby at 32 weeks and she would said to us, take her home, you can take her home and I just didn't even know that was an option. I feel like, you know, there's seven babies in Australia every day born, stillborn and still so many of the staff, while they were supportive, no one just knows what to say. There's no... I think there's only one hospital in Melbourne that has a brief counsellor there actually on the birthing suite with these women, you know, and then afterwards you just, off you go, deal with it. You know, no one wants to know. I'm so lucky that I had Erin and I had my beautiful friend, Perry, and we took Charlotte home. We took her home for two uh, it was two days. I think we took her home for, and I'm so glad I did that. And it didn't scare me. I thought it would scare me, you know. And it sounds horrific to some people, and it it is scary, you know. But it wasn't because she was there and she was real. And I think as well, all the physiological things that I was feeling, my body was like, "Where is this baby gone?" And your 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 boobs and everything. And even though I was sort of only halfway through my pregnancy, it was you still had all those things that you would at full term. Where's my baby? I need just everything. But you know, she was it was different and then they yeah they came and took her away and she was cremated and then that was our storm began you know as people talk about this storm and you know this rainbow baby at the end of it which we were already thinking about at that moment you know it was that was the obsession had already started then for this other baby but yeah it was and then it was a really long time I didn't leave the house Mia's birthday was in May. She turned two in May and I probably had only seen a handful of people and that happened in January. It took me that long. I would, I couldn't be around anyone that was pregnant. I hated, hated everyone that was pregnant. I hated babies. I just, I couldn't, everything was a trigger. Everything was too hard. It got too hard to leave the house. And it was a really hard time to be a wife and to be a mother people used to say, you know, and people would say things. And, you know, again, I, I'm a different, I've processed it all and I'm, I'm not in that thick fog of grief and anger and rage right now. So I know everything that everybody said was essentially coming from a good place. But everything, you just, I was so angry, was so angry with the world. I felt like the world had just fucked me over. And it's like, I've come on, like, really? And everything would piss me off and... You know, someone would cut me off in traffic and I'm like, I've just lost my fucking baby, you know, it's and you're cutting me off in traffic. Like, is your life that bad? But this is where I've learned to be like, okay, maybe they've just gone through a breakup. Their marriage is broken up. Maybe, I don't know, something shit's happened. So it, this is, but that's, that's taken time. Mm. It's taken a long time. And then it was, yeah, the months that followed were just, I don't even know what they were. I don't really remember. It's such a dark fog. And I lost a lot of friends, probably part of my own doing. I pushed. I'm a, I'm a. I push people away. That's what I do. I push my family away. Push my friends away. Certain people repelled me for reasons I don't even know, and others I wanted them to be closer to me. And you do. You feel like nobody gets you. And I connected with a lot of. And this is where I, you know, I, this love hate relationship with social media. I connected with some amazing people that have been through this and I'm still talking to them to this day because I did feel like no one understood me and you do feel alone even though you know you're not again it's like this rash you know that emotions rational it's talk two different things but it's I know I'm not alone but I am in that house it's just me I'm in these walls and it's too much time to think you know and be by myself I did isolate myself. I didn't, I sort of got social, I probably got a bit of social anxiety. I didn't want to be around people and what would I say? And I'm just that sad, I'm that sad girl. You know, I couldn't even leave the house because people would look at me like, where's her, tu- where's your tummy gone? I didn't want to go to my local coffee shop because it was like, you'd get that look, you know, and then you'd have to explain what happened and then I'd be crying and it would just, it, yeah, it just, everything was too hard. So I just kind of pulled myself out of life. went into a little bubble I still find myself going and out of that bubble sometimes it's it's less and less these days but it's still there I don't even know why though you know Mm -hmm. just disappear
2: I did see you say somewhere that you remember when you held
0: Charlotte for the very first time what do you remember from that moment it was that her mother and at that point I could protect her and she was safe and she was just with me I mean, she'd been with me the whole time, but, yeah, it was amazing. And I really, when we got home, I don't think I put her down, you know. We had a little bassinet and Mia said, I've got some beautiful photos that I've never shared and I probably never will, you know, with Mia, with her. And I did little handprints with her and I did all the things. Well, not all the things, but I did a lot of the things that you'd do with any new baby at home. And I would just sit on the couch I'd watch TV, but I would just have it on me, wrapped up. Like it was just, I don't know, it was, I felt in those moments, it was almost, I don't know if I was pretending like it was different or I don't know what it was, but it was, it made me feel calm. And when they came to take her away, it was just, yeah, that was, she was amazing, the lady that came to do that. Oh, can you imagine that job? She was fantastic. She was lovely. And... Yeah, I think that was another moment that you sort of, I don't know, you know, if someone said to you, What's like, what's your your worst nightmare? What's the scariest thing you could think? It's like watching someone take my child away, you know, and I'll never see her again. And even though she was still and she was different, it, yeah, that was another, like that was another trauma within the trauma, you know, it was just another. Within
2: the blur of. Yeah. And then of course through all of this you had to be a mum to Mia.
0: Yeah. You had to be present and correct. And when people would say to me that, you know, I touched on people would sort of say these things that would upset me. Oh, we you know, at least you've got Mia. It's Mm. like, what? Mm. You know, it just surviving would suck the life out of me every day. And I think really up until probably six months ago, that was actually. Everything, everything, every living required every little ounce of energy that I had. And that's why I think I, I stopped writing a lot on the blog and I stopped working because I just couldn't. And my priority was when well, my children and well, all your energy would have gone. Correct. To go, oh, yeah. And it was probably pretty average energy, but she, you know, it was a blessing that she was still quite young and probably doesn't remember a lot about it. So mm-hmm. I was pretty average parent but
2: probably you just being very harsh on yourself probably you are you know wonderful
0: yeah yeah in terms of what I got out of it I didn't get a lot out of it because I was just going for the motions it was just yeah doing this and I was really hard work to be married to I'm sure and you know in that in itself that the pressure and the stress that it puts on a relationship is really hard.
2: I was going to ask that, yeah. you know, because the the focus is a lot on how the mother deals with mm. this, which is so understandable. Yep. Of course, that that is paramount. But yep. I think what does get forgotten is what, what happens to the fathers yep. throughout of this and how
0: did your husband handle it, and what kind of pressure did it place on the marriage? I think grief is a funny thing and it affects everybody so differently and men, not all men, but, you know, a lot of men, he handled it in a very I'm just gonna say chronologically, I did it properly, he did it another way around. Yeah. And he he took on that role, which wasn't communicated at the time, it has been since. He just needs to keep going. He needs to keep
2: keep being busy.
0: Yep. It needs to keep ticking. Very I need like to go to work. Very masculine, I, isn't I need it? to earn the money, yep. I need to come home, I need to provide for my family. I just gotta keep And it'll going. be okay. Yeah. Whereas I was the one on the floor leaving, you know, off just yeah non-coherent basically but i would that was he had to do that and i used to hate him for that i you know how can you go to work and how can you see people and and do chit chat about shit like we just lost our you know it was this yeah i'm very angry <laughs> a lot of rage and that would cause fights and we'd argue about things like that and you know he would come in and tell me stories that other other people had shared with him about losing mm. children and oh they you know they lost their baby a 30 weeks and I'm like what like that's worse you know and it would and he was only trying to help but it's like almost like he couldn't do anything right and I, I I'm you know I think I would like to think I've kind of apologized for being a monster for a long time but yeah it, we just we did things in a different way and he you know he lost a lot of weight he lost the motivation and it was just really hard and I put the walls up like I've never put up before I pushed everyone away my mom my sister I just didn't want to be around anyone I hate I just yeah I just was I don't know I just wanted to be by myself and which was really unhealthy but it, it was what I needed to. I just wasn't even thinking it was survival and it was then Mia and then you know then the journey of trying to have another baby I mean that in itself is just weird and stressful too so it was sort of like this double like we were just yeah it was bad it was bad I'm sure a
2: lot of marriages will yep. break down. They do. I can only imagine the yep. stats yep. as well. But yep. I think the fact that you know you're still together and yep. you've had another baby yep. boy, you yep. know, another baby since, I'm sure that's a testament to the strength of your relationship as well. Yeah, because I'm and sure yeah. there were times that you could have both just gone. I can't do this. Yeah, anymore.
0: it's just too yeah. hard. And it's it's you know, with losing a child, there's this big. They call it like a, a new normal, and it, it, there is a new normal because you kind of. I, I always describe it as. You know, I was a vase kind of my analogy is that I was a vase and it was just smashed into a million pieces and it's now this process of putting them all back together. But it's a bit different and the edges are rough and I'm different because of what we've experienced. I'm just different and a relationship is different and, you know, but the, the pressure on a relationship with with two young kids anyway like Mm. it's really freaking hard because they are so time consuming and it's all about them yeah at the end of the day you're so tired so yeah it's it's all I mean I think for us it's just been we'll get through it like we'll come out the other end at some point yeah but, yeah, it's it's fine. That
2: and probably <laughs> the relationship will be a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming out Absolutely. Of it as well. You've spoken a lot about your grief and especially what it was like in those early stages. But how is grief, what did grief look like for you and how did it transpire and change and transform throughout the last couple of years?
0: At the start it was rage and anger, everything, yeah. I can't stress that enough. That's what it looked like for me. I was, I probably got, I uh, developed shocking separation anxiety from Mia because it was this thing of, I've already lost one baby, I can't lose another one. She's everything. I didn't want anyone looking after her. I couldn't be away from her. I remember it took us about seven or eight months just to go out for dinner one night with family. And I mean, the person who was looking after my baby is a close friend who I would trust mm. 100%. But it was this what if something happens? Mm, and nice. it's this rational it's a phobia. It was a phobia, you know, and it became this, I think it's that post-traumatic stress a little bit. And I, I still have kind of bits of that, that hang around, you know, I remember I took her to a training PT session with me probably about a year ago and she was playing with a medicine ball and I should have noticed, I, she, you know, she, cause she'd been moving it and probably moving muscles that she doesn't use. And a few days later she was complaining about, I saw booby and I'm like, Oh my God, what, 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 what could be wrong? And I'm panicking. And this is the thing. I go from zero to a million now. Yeah. There's no in between. Mm. And that's because of what happened with that scan. It's that, but what are the chances? Chances are, if I'd actually thought about it, she just pulled a muscle. But it was like, she's got breast cancer. Mm. Like that was where my head wow. went to. It goes yeah. to this really dark place. And my husband used to be like, well, calm down. Like, I'm sure it's fine. If you want, you'll go and get it an ultrasounded just to put your mind at ease. And We did. And everything was fine. She just pulled a bloody muscle. But, you know, <laughs> it was my – that's kind of
2: where my head goes. And you need that goes. certainty from a doctor, I'm yeah, sure. Like the professional like, needed to tell you this is
0: what had happened yeah, because you don't believe yourself no, anymore. it was like she's got breast cancer. That's what's going to happen. More shit's going to happen to me yeah. and that – yeah. So, again, I've – you know, I still see a psych. I see her once a month. I saw her the week after we lost Charlotte and this is what sort of what she specialises in and we've worked really hard – kind of on mindfulness and that what is what was and what if and what if doesn't exist and i have to constantly mantra myself on that in every situation you know that arises where i think something totally irrational and i'm like okay you're being silly mm-hmm. calm down whatever i taught myself down but so that's been a really good tool But, yeah, there's still sort of this post-traumatic stress that hangs around, definitely.
2: And you do see a psychologist, as you say, because that was one of my questions. I think with all these interviews I do and people have usually gone, you know, have gone through something, it's really important to share, I think, for for these people to show other people that there's nothing wrong with seeing psychologists, Uh nothing wrong with
0: seeking help and and doing – and do you find that helps? She's incredible. And just to go to a space where you're safe and you can say whatever you want cry scream correct yeah. you know whinge about my husband whatever <laughs> and even though a lot of it was probably it's all my perspective oh, it's all my perspective and maybe a lot of it wasn't fair or things I was saying but it, I needed to say it so yeah we've worked through you know it's evolved and we've worked through a lot of things in my childhood and then we sort of worked through having a boy and preparing for that and what that would mean yeah and Yeah, even though I think it was probably my last appointment, she's like, do we need to make another one? I was like, oh, "Oh, have I graduated? No, but I'm like, yes, because, you know, something else might, no. But, you know, I like that security and we've got that rapport and she's she's just amazing. I love her and she's been a big part in helping me. Well, give me these tools.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. this little toolbox to reach into. And you have been so open with your writing, and you yep. said earlier that it was really therapeutic sharing everything you were going through. How therapeutic was it as well connecting with other women that had gone through a similar journey, and you'd be able to share? I don't know. I don't know if you were even sharing your experiences, but just be able to have someone who goes, I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it would be sort of weird things like you know when you talk about how my grief manifested. It's a, I mean, I've never been great at it, but even just sort of I do this weird thing where I, like, don't reply to messages, I don't look at my emails for days because I just can't – I get really overwhelmed. I don't even know what I'm being – I'm not sure what I'm overwhelmed mm. by or with. It's just what I do. I disappear. I go off the grid. And that's how that manifested. I can't even remember the question. <laughs> Connecting <laughs> with other women. Yes. Yep. So even things like that were – I'm like, I just really like the be There's another girl, Laura, she's from Lincoln Luna, and she's now sort of gone onto her own blog. She lost her little boy 38 weeks mm-hmm. and she's been very open and honest with her journey online and we've developed a friendship and I think she's a bit like me. Like I'll text her and then there'll be sort of like a week where there's nothing and I'm like, but I'm not offended by that because I'm and like, you know. I get it. Yeah, That's that thing. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. But I get it. it it's
2: like to retreat sometimes you need to retreat into a shell. Yeah. Or- and I
0: I don't know whether it's. You know we talk, you know we talk about our, our tanks and our where we put that energy every day. We've all got them, and sometimes it's just empty. I don't know why, and some days, yeah, they're just dark and yeah. flat, and I've got no energy and no motivation. but I can't even really articulate what's wrong. Yeah, but I think it's all part of it. like yeah. leftover
2: of the grief cycle. Trauma. Yeah. yeah, it's like
0: you know like, yeah, it's leftover.
2: Yeah, and some days are always going to be, even though you're in a much better place now, which you'll get to, it still would linger. Like, I don't know, like back to our analogy, it's a rock in your shoe that sometimes
0: you just it's just there still be there. You know, it's those wounds and scar tissue.
2: Yeah, yeah, that just opens up a little bit for whatever reason. It could happen subconsciously as well, something you saw on the street that that is just there. Then you fell pregnant with your rainbow baby and. For for people that don't know, which I'm sure there are, what what is a rainbow baby?
0: Essentially, it's, you know, it's this, well, it's this comes from this storm that everybody talks about. After you lose a baby, you, you go through this storm and at the end of every storm, there's a rainbow. It doesn't have to be a rainbow baby, but it's whatever your rainbow is, because I know a lot of people don't go on to have another baby because the baby doesn't fix anything. Mm. They don't replace the baby that you lost. It just gives you hope and that's what it's all about. I, I think it's, and it was something to work towards and I needed focus and I did want another baby, you know, but it's just that renewed hope.
2: And how did it feel when you found out that you were pregnant and how was that pregnancy?
0: Yeah, well, we, it took us about six months to get Max, our little, our one little embryo. And, you know, I'm so lucky that our first transfer, which was him worked because I honestly don't know if I could have kept going so that was great the pregnancy was really shit and long I really just was scared every day that something would happen you said
2: on your blog that you described it as a mind bug yeah why can you talk us through that
0: because every day I thought it's the same thing is it going to happen again and am I doing enough yeah that kind of thinking and I was yeah I was I didn't enjoy the pregnancy I was just I remember there was one time I ended up I had like an emergency scan, calling the hospital, screaming because I didn't feel him moving. Yeah, and I, you know, my again, this is where that head goes to, like, oh my god, he's died, or mm-hmm. some, the cause, it's crazy things, you know. But it actually just moved up behind the placenta, and he was fine, and everything was fine until he was born. And I again, I had Kelly, my beautiful friend, who shot all three births, most photos. Are I know. Well, she, and she was there for Max, and you can kind mm-hmm. of see. I was so out of it during that labour. I remember Erin sort of trying to, it's like I was on a different planet or something and she, I remember her saying to me, come back, come back, like you need to come back. Wow. And it was still in that moment I still was so scared. He was not real until he was real mm. and I, I could see he was crying and he was there and I was so numb. And then he came out and I just, it was almost like, my life support had been plugged back in. Like I just felt, wow. and you know, he came early. He came six days early on international pregnancy and infant loss really? day. And it was like, it's my boobs go hard. Every time I say that, i like like, but people, oh my people, people that don't have children might not understand that reference. <laughs> i <I'm laughs> like, I'm grabbing my boobs. <laughs> I it's still, yeah. Weird things happened. Everybody who meets Max comments on his calmness. He's so calm. Cause he's like the complete opposite to me. And, you know, when you talk about what you need, I needed him Mm -hmm. and I do feel he's almost got two souls and I feel like that's her and it's him and he's magical almost. And he, it's almost like he hypnotizes me and I, he, he's my calmness. He's my meditation. He really is. He makes me, I don't know.
2: Present and centered. Yeah, know that through this crazy, horrible, traumatic journey, I don't know, not that it was all worth it because that's not the right term, but it all culminated in Correct. something. Yeah. And I, I've never found the words yeah.
0: to describe it. Because all worth it
2: isn't, isn't the right yeah. term. But, but it's,
0: it's, it's not even the silver lining. It's just like he's, without her we wouldn't have him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, you know, and we had to go through hell to get him. But we, I love deeper. I love harder. I am more present. I'm a better mother. Don't know if I'm a better wife. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> Maybe you know, a podcast. But yeah, it's just yeah. There's been some positives. Yeah. There's been a lot of positives, and you have to
2: look through those. Yep. I think it's really yep. important to be able to look for totally. those silver linings, even yep. through something that makes no sense. Yeah. And I think when I've when I've been following your journey and reading your blog, you've done that in various ways. With Max being the most obvious one, yep. but you you've said you hate public speaking, and you are doing you're speaking to me here. Right I am. Now. You, <laughs> yeah. you know, you did your yep. girlfriend's event. Yep. You did this lipstick with your other friend yes. Joe yep. to raise money for Bears of Hope, yep. which is for people that don't know for supporting families yep. through infant loss. Yep, there are all little things that you yep. never would have done or been exposed to had you not gone yep. through this. And how important it is, I guess, to find those silver linings and help other people.
0: And that, um, you know, with the with the blog when I was talking before about I'm not a show pony and I don't do things for attention and I thought I have, you know, this influencer. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the little bunny ears, by the way. This influencer thing. I'm in a position of power and in many ways people. and I can help people. And I felt like is this not my purpose because it's not my purpose. I don't want it to define me, that that loss and that bad time. But I want Charlotte and I want her her legacy and her memory is part of me and it's I'm going to use my voice. the best way i can and we raised nearly fourteen thousand dollars with that lipstick with my beautiful friend joe and then yeah just and then that sort of then i skipped over to the ivf and i just tried to i do genuinely tried to help people and i'm all for the sisterhood and helping each other and not tearing each other down so that's been my thing, and I guess now that I don't have a thing, that's why I struggle with. Because it
2: almost feels yeah, like, oh, complete. Yeah, almost? is there because you like, don't want I, any more children no, either. Do yeah, you? I'm done. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, I can see what you this mean, but I'm sure with your, you know, you sitting here talking to me today, and all the little thing, all the not little things, all the amazing things you're doing. Mm-hmm. That is. You know the fact that you've come out the other other side. I'm sure you would have loved someone like
0: you once upon a time. Yeah, as well, perhaps. And I still and get messages that. to this day. Yeah, on Instagram, on emails from from people. And I go through times where I, you know, and people share a lot, and mm, it can be hard to hear. It can be actually hard now, and because I sort of like, oh, I don't want to think about those times, but I have a kind of I have a responsibility because other people listened when I spoke.
2: When you were in your darkest moments and you've said some of them have been, you know, you weren't able to get yourself up off the floor, Mm. what would the SJ sitting in front of me right now tell that SJ who couldn't possibly comprehend that there was another day to come the next day? Stay
0: on the floor and kind of embrace it because it's part of that process and you you can't rush that process and you can't control it. You have to just when you wake up and wherever your mind and your heart and your body take you that day, you just have to own it. And that's with anything, with what you've been through, what anyone's going through. Okay, today's a shitty day. We're just going to, cool, that's fine. It is what it is. And just you got to go with it. Whereas I definitely felt I just need to get pregnant. I just need to have a baby. I just need to get off. the. Floor. I need to get up off the floor. I have to do this or just stay. I got better at that. But it took a long, yeah, it took a long, long time. And probably not when I I needed it most. I didn't, I wasn't doing that. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. It's bitter and sweet, but with the sweet comes wonderful things. And then with the bitter, you just, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Is that my lemonade?
2: Yes. I, <laughs> I think so. I think it you turn to to what is a, an unimaginable situation that I can't even comprehend yep. into, you know, someone that's a shining light sitting in front of me right now and is able to share everything you've been through and yep. and make everyone, that even if you haven't been through what you have, feel like it will all be okay because yep. it has to be. And I think that's the whole purpose of the podcast. That's everything you're saying yep. is you're finding
0: that lemonade and you're finding yep. your silver lining, you're finding your way out. Maybe this is my lemonade. Is that everybody has a story? This is mine, and just have patience with people and just be mindful of that. You know, certain behaviors that you see. Someone does cut you off in traffic. Someone's rude. You know, who knows what they're going through? Maybe that is an asshole. But a lot of the time, we're all going through stuff and it comes out in different ways. And yeah, just to be patient and kind. I, yeah, just be kind. Yeah. Like, yep.
2: Of course. Well, thank you so much. You have been like... Oh, you all can't see it because it's a podcast, but I have been sitting here crying. <laughs> I've had goosebumps and your story is Sweet. so powerful um, and the way um, you tell it you. is so incredibly inspiring and empowering and you've really made my day speaking to me and so many people are going to get so much out of it. So. so I want to thank you so much for making yourself available and leaving the Brighton bubble. <laughs> yeah, the Bayside bubble. The Bayside bubble. It's totally fine. Um, i got to
0: go back to school pick up now, so that's cool. I'll cruise on in with yeah. my blow wave and,
2: <laughs> exactly. you know. Thank you so, so, so very much. Thank
1: you. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. SJ's strength is such a source of inspiration for me, so I am very grateful to her for being so vulnerable, especially about such a sensitive topic. If this chat brought up any discomfort, 24-hour help is available through SANS on 1300 637 If you'd like to follow SJ, you can do so at underscore. Sarah Jane. Her blog has the same name. As always, you can connect with me at BambiandBaby underscore. And if you're enjoying lemonade, please hit subscribe and hit five stars. I'd be most appreciative. Looking forward to doing it all again here next week. Bye!